This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Field, that one's called to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in another edition of Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. Uh, first of the second half, of course, you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat, on Facebook, Red Sox Beat Podcast. Uh, you guys are doing great with sharing us on iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe, so please keep doing that as well. Of course, our show is brought to you by Blue Apron and SeatGeek. Blue Apron is here to make an incredible home cooking accessible to everyone um, and SeatGeek, of course, is the easiest way to get seats online to the games that you are looking for. Um, no more hassle of trying to get uh, overpriced tickets. They're great, and they do all the legwork for you um, as well. So, first show after the All-Star break here, uh, full gang here, of course. Um, I, did, you, did we enjoy the All-Star game, uh, ladies and gents, over there? I mean, I did. I always do. It's something I look forward to every year. So, I thought it was fun. Um, low scoring, which I thought was, you know, weird, but... I always enjoy it. Yeah, so it was it was okay. I mean, obviously the home derby was the best part, and, and Jess will break that down in his recap. But um, I think that I, obviously you guys know I watched the celebrity softball game. And I did I did break a promise. I didn't live record myself watching the game because I was exhausted and didn't um, didn't really watch the whole thing, unfortunately. But um, it was fun to. Um, it was fun to watch the home run derby and Giancarlo Stanton finally coming over the top for that as well. So, um, big show this week, of course. A lot of news. Uh, Trader Dombrowski went at it, obviously adding adding Drew uh, Pomerantz. He's going to start Wednesday. We'll get into that um, as well as some other MLB stuff to talk about. But first, as always, uh, Jess is going to break down the, the short week that was the two games against the Yankees. Um, third game is tonight on Sunday Night Baseball. I'm recording a little early this week, um, and of course the All Star as well. Yeah, um, yeah, we can start with the the All Star festivities just since they happened first. Um, yeah, the home run derby was fun. I, I still like the uh, the competition between the two the two guys, the bracket style. I think it works well. It kind of makes it flow a little bit. Still takes a while, but um, some pretty big performances, mostly by Giancarlo Stanton. Hit 61 home runs total, most ever. I mean, I don't really think you can compare the format now and the format then because you had 10 outs before and now you don't have the 10 outs. So do you guys agree? Like you can't really compare the two, can you? No, you can't, you can't because the format's completely different, but it's still, um, still, it's still fun to watch. And I, I do like this format a lot. This format makes it better. 
like you, you, these guys get into a flow. Um, obviously, Todd Frazier loves the theatrics, so he always likes the like all that stuff, and it just gives you a better sense of okay, you can make some mistakes, but you can it gives you time to get into a rhythm, um, and, and it, it's more urgency. You don't have time to stop. I love the idea of the timeouts, um, the, and obviously they re, um, they put this format in last year, but um, I, I still I love it. it. It works. Yeah, I like it too. It's definitely a better system. I just don't think you can compare because they're no. totally different. So. Um, but yeah, so it went broke down to uh, Stanton and then Todd Frazier like last year. Uh, Frazier in it for two in a row. He won last year, but Stanton was just too strong this year. He hit way too many home runs, um, and Frazier just had no chance. So Stanton won that. And Thank he was you. A champion. That was good on my half. You picked it. I, yeah, that's right. Yep, sure did. Well, yeah, her tweets, her tweets definitely coincided with that as the night was going on. <laughs> Well, Trumbo did well. He just not quite as well as Stanton. No one was beating him on this on this night. So that was the Derby, fun as always. Uh, and then the All Star Game was the bigger deal for Red Sox fans. Uh, the American League won four to two, so the AL has home field advantage in the World Series. So that's good news for the Red Sox if they so happen to get there. When they um, get there. When they get there. Oh yeah, man, you. you and that when they get to the World Series crowd. Yes. It's gonna happen. Um, wouldn't hate it, but <laughs> I would hope you wouldn't hate it. Seriously, question. Well, I've questioned you many times before. I continue. You've questioned to, me a lot. I continue so. to question you. <laughs> um, but for, in the All Star game for the Red Sox, hitters: Jackie Bradley Jr., Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, David Ortiz, four for seven combined. Bradley had two hits, a uh, little weak single, and a really nice single. Um, Betts had one hit and scored a run. Xander Bogarts had a double. He was one for two also, and Poppy was zero for one with a ground out and a walk. Both at bats for eight pitches or more, so he really really worked the pitchers he was uh, facing. And then Stephen Wright didn't pitch in the game. He was going to pitch extra innings if it happened. It didn't, but didn't happen. So two questions for you guys. One, are you sad that Wright didn't pitch? And two, did Ortiz come out of the game too early? Stupid that Wright didn't pitch. Like, I, I get their fear of the knuckleball, and right away um, they told him it's going to be an extra inning guy. I hate that. They did this to Wakefield, too. It's so dumb. Like, he's the best ERA in the American League, and you don't let this guy pitch in the All-Star game? Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and I thought of Wakefield, too, because I remember when he got his first nod to the All-Star game, he didn't even pitch. So it it's definitely frustrating when he when he's one of the best, if not the best pitcher in the American League, and especially the, most certainly the best pitcher on our team. So I was frustrated by it. I, I don't really understand it. I don't care for it, and I think he, even though he made the All-Star team, I think he got he got robbed of that. Yeah, I would like to see him pitch. I mean, it works for the Red Sox because now he's even fresher and he's still got to go. But it would have been nice to see him throw, even if it was just one bat or anything. I would have taken anything. But what about Poppy? I mean, he had a good send-off. He went and got to hug everyone. I don't know if he made a decision he wanted to come out or Yost made that decision. Did you guys want to see him for longer or were you okay with how it kind of played out? Um, I think I'm okay with it, but obviously it would have been nice to see, like, especially after what happened with Jeter and, and Mo being retiring and getting these all send-offs and all that stuff. Like, it would have been nice to see a little more David Ortiz. Um, it was great that the whole team came out and really appreciated what they did. He got a standing ovation, but it would have been nice to see him maybe get one more at bat um, just to kind of get an actual hit or, like, eventually maybe get a home run or something. But I'm not mad at the way it happened, but it would have been nice to see a little more Big Poppy, for sure. Yeah, I, I liked it. I think the only reason I'd want him in for longer as Jared, like you said, to get get a hit. But I think it was fine. I liked how he came off and um, 
got every like everyone got to hug him, and it was just just fun to watch and just just to see him appreciated as a player, especially at the All Star game. It, I like I don't know, it was just fun seeing him like happy and smile. Made me happy and made me smile. <laughs> Feel good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he said, "All right, Yost, I'm done. Two at bats. See ya." I mean, yeah, it would have been nice to see him get a hit. Would have been nice to see a home run, any of that stuff. But still, he did his job. He worked the count. He got his at bats. He got to rest for the rest of the game. So I think it worked out and all for everyone. So good win, Eric Hosmer and Salvador Perez. The Royals led led the charge for for the AL. They both hit home runs. Hosmer got an MVP in his first All Star game. Um, no problem with any of that. They helped the American League. They've been kind of the uh, the leaders in the American League here in the last couple of years, and no difference here. They continue to make the difference and basically account for everything for the AL, which is pretty cool. So, baseball, actual baseball. Nothing on Wednesday and Thursday, obviously. The All-Star break uh, picked us back up on Friday. Yankee series. Um, Lauren predicted a sweep. Me and Jared predicted two or three. As of record, they have won the first two, so we could all be right. Hopefully Lauren's right. Feeling pretty good about it. Um, David Price against Masahiro Tanaka tonight, so it should be a good matchup. But for what's already happened, on Friday, Stephen Wright pitched. <laughs> Didn't get to pitch on Tuesday, but he sure pitched on Friday. And mm-hmm. uh, he he uh, <laughs> really was great to start. He had a perfect game through four innings. He was totally rolling. Uh, the Yankees had no clue what they were doing. Um, meanwhile, the Red Sox were scoring runs all in the long ball. Ryan Hannigan hit a solo homer in the third off Pineda. Robbie Ross caught it in the bullpen with Tet yet again. Um, Travis Shaw absolutely destroyed a pitch in the fifth inning right down the middle. It was no question about it. Beltran didn't even turn around in the outfield. He was just like, see ya. And, uh, <laughs> that made it three to nothing. That was a huge home run. Uh, and then Xander Bogart hit a two-run homer on a really inside pitch in the sixth inning, made a 5 nothing. really impressive swing there. So three really, really nice swings off today. He was just throwing up absolute meatballs. Um, that was 5 nothing. Meanwhile, Wright was rolling, as I said, perfect game. He ran into some trouble in the sixth inning, gave up three runs. Um, he ended up going the sixth, giving up three hits, three runs, one walk, four strikeouts. But he did the job, kept held him off long enough as the Red Sox built the lead. Um, let him back in a little bit, but they stayed down. And uh, the bullpen that everyone's been uh, kind of all over recently completely shut down the Yankees. Brad Ziegler, one, two, three inning in the seventh inning. A little strange. Robbie Ross Jr. came in, in the eighth instead of flipped, but he got out of the eighth inning with only one hit. And then Koji came down, shut it down in the ninth, one, two, three with the strikeout. So I'd say pretty awesome game. Three home runs. Stephen Wright did well enough, and the bullpen was great. Yeah, I think this was kind of textbook for what you're looking out of the, the Sox coming down the road. Offense wins the game, they explode for a few, a bit, few big hits, and the bullpen, 7 through 9, kind of locks itself down. Obviously, seeing Robbie Ross in the 8th inning was not what we expected, um, beginning of the year or now. Um, it was nice to see Ziegler do well again. I think he's he's going to come into his own even more uh, as he pitches at Fenway because he's a ground ball pitcher, so you're going to see him in more high-leverage situations because of the fact that, one, you're, you're lacking in arms with injuries, but two, um, you, you're going to see him get ground balls when this team needs them because that's what he does so it's nice to see him do well in the bullpen so far and um that that win was really good especially coming out of the all-star break not playing for a few days and obviously the team wasn't doing too great before the start the break so it's nice to see them jump out early with that win and it was nice to see ryan hannigan 
hit a home run. I know he hadn't had one in, I think it was a year, just under a year, but uh, that was nice to see, too. Wait, Jared, you say they weren't doing well before the All-Star break? Did you miss the four straight wins before the All-Star break? No, I know. Obviously, I know they had the four straight wins, but my point is, before that, they weren't. They were up and down. They were the pitching was a struggle. Like they were just getting back into their own. So it was nice to see the break didn't like stop okay. that. <laughs> I was like, uh, June, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. All right, we're all clear now. Yeah, that was a great game. I've really enjoyed it. Ziegler, he the, he doesn't just get outs. He gets outs quickly. He only had seven pitches. I think he only threw eight or nine in his first outing. So he's really just shutting her down really quickly. And as, as I saw someone write, uh, I think it was Pete Abraham, he said that he's kind of that calming influence, the bullpen guy that you know is going to get outs and quickly, which obviously we basically haven't had any of that this year. So the fact that he is stabilizing the bullpen with that kind of veteran attitude already is a really good sign. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's nice to see him just kind of come in here and just take control and get the outs, especially quickly because if, I mean, I, it's nice to see that he just gets the outs. He doesn't give up a hit, and he doesn't give up like back-to-back singles or get himself or in a situation. Yeah, walks. Just, he doesn't put people on base. It's it's nice that he gets the gets the outs. Yep, that's the thing with ground ball pitchers. They get outs and they get outs quick. It's nice. So, great move there. I think that was an excellent pickup, and it's definitely showed in the uh, in the box score in the first couple of games he's pitched. Uh, so that was Saturday. That was the fifth straight win for the Red Sox. Uh, Friday, fifth straight win for the Red Sox. Brought us into Saturday. Such a short week here. Um, and this game was very much like Friday's game. Uh, this one, not a 5-3 final, but a 5-2 final. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez, Sandy Leon. That's all you need to know about this game. <laughs> uh, we'll start with Erod. Uh, he pitched seven innings. Gave up four hits, one run, two walks, one strikeout. I know it's the Yankees. They don't have a good offense, but he couldn't even get out of the what third or fourth inning against the Rays. So I don't care, Yankees or not. He got the job done, which is huge. Uh, I definitely want to see it consistently, see that he continues to make his delivery, that he changed uh, consistently, continue to not tip pitches. But with how he pitched yesterday, uh, you're going to have a lot of people jumping back on board uh and obviously at this point, everyone just wants to see him do that for like three or four or five straight starts to see if it's actually legit. Yeah, it's nice to see it, though, because obviously he struggled and he went, had to go down to fix some stuff. But he came back up through a great game, uh, only that one run over the seven innings, which is great. Um, and especially with Pomeranz coming in, obviously he's going to start Wednesday. Um it's nice to see that now if Erod can keep this up next start and maybe a few starts down the road, um, then it, it'd be nice to see this this kind of rotation finally find something that's going to work and ultimately have Joe Kelly and Clay Buckles out of it. Yeah, I guess we'll see how that pans out with them, but it was definitely nice to see Erod pitch like the Erod we've been wanting to see. And I know it was against a team that's not very good, so I'm not jumping right back on this bandwagon as much as I want to. But I want to see consistency, and I want to see him pitch against a team that has more than just 200 hitters on there. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and Adam was already uh, throwing out a Erod, Erod is better than Clay in our uh, group chat. And nope, well, that's true. No, you know what? I want to see it. You know, Clay could have pitched even the worst. Settle down. <laughs> okay, even Erod's worst starts are like better than Clay Buckles. That's not true. No. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Hey, play buckles defenders. He's gone after this year. You both realize that, right? That's okay. <laughs> That's I'm all out of hope, okay? <laughs> oh, he, man. he can go wherever he wants, I, but it's, 
I'm going to defend him, and I'm not going to just, just because Erod has one good start, I'm not going to be like, oh, he's so much better than Clay. Because you know what? Clay had some good starts this season, too. And a lot of good starts throughout his career, which Erod is only in the second year, so. And, and a no hitter, so. And a no hitter, yeah. But not, okay, go away from the no hitter. Non pitching. Non pitching. Um, <laughs> Sandy Lowe in this game, guys, phenomenal. And, like, the story continues with this guy. Obviously, I know we're going to talk about him after, after we get through the recap here, but in this game, lights out. Yep. Two for four, four RBI. He really led the charge. The Sox scored five runs. He's, he got four of them. He had an RBI single in the fourth that made it 2-1 after it was 1-1. And then he had a three-run homer in the sixth inning to make it 5-1. So he literally did it all. Um, 4.58 average still. Uh, he's had plenty of at-bats now. This isn't a five- or ten-game sample size. So maybe he'll come back to earth still, but it still hasn't happened, and I'm still enjoying the heck out of it. Yeah, and I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it until, if and when he cools down, I'm sure he will. I know we'll get to that later, but it's just, it's nice to see him just really come into his own with this team and just come up big, especially when we need him to. Same storyline as Jackie Bradley, only uh, Sandy Leon obviously hasn't hit as much game, so it's intriguing to see how this goes with his bat, for sure. Um, Jess, I don't know who you're giving for MVP this week with the two games, but you have a few choices. Yeah, I didn't really even want to, just because it's such a small, you know, a small thing here. I mean, I guess I like, just because it was such a short week, I'm going to give it to the bullpen, just because they That's fair. they pitched lights out on uh, Friday, and then Matt Barnes gave up a home run to start his outing uh, yesterday, but then he got three straight outs. Koji got three straight outs. He's had two, one, two, three innings being inserted right back in the closer's role. He looks comfortable. He looks great. He looks just like he did in 2013, and we'll get to it later, but in my midseason piece, I said that he was going to have the biggest turnaround, so I'm very encouraged by these first two starts. But yeah, overall, five innings, two hits, one run for the bullpen, and they've held a slim lead in both games. I say give it to them. Yeah, I'm cool with the bullpen, because look, two games that you win, you win with five runs, that's a bullpen helping the back, because we've seen it with um, and with this team, the bullpen, if you have five runs, you're losing. So it's it was nice to see. I know it was two games, like you said, Jess, but two games winning with only five runs, that's that's a huge step. That's a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, I like the MVP call for the bullpen, um, especially Robbie Ross going, going in the eighth and everything, and them coming up really big, and then... I don't know if you guys saw Robbie Ross catch that home run in his hat, but that was great cool too. <laughs> I mentioned in the recap, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's already passed Tommy Lane. Uh, they th- that little wager they had. Yeah, he's already he's already proven Tommy Lane wrong. Yeah, Lane's out a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was great. Chump change for them, though. That's for sure. Chump change for them. Um, well, there you go. That's Jess's recap of the All Star Game in the very short week uh, we have to recap here. Obviously, the Red Sox are going for the sweep on Sunday Night Baseball. If you're listening to this later in the week, you know what happened. Shh, don't tell us. Uh, we want to watch it ourselves. Um, of course, his re- Jess's recap was brought to you by uh, Blue Apron. Like I said, Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Uh, Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building community of home chefs. Of course, the huge impact on the community as well. Uh, Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranches across the United States. As a result, your seafood food is fresh, beef is fresh, everything, chicken, pork, uh, everything is fresh and ready to go from a good, sustainable source. Um, the three of us use Blue Apron. Um, I love still getting the deliveries from them. Um, I'm st- everything that I've had so far, the chicken meatloaf, guys, still my favorite. I don't know what my favorite is. I think so far it's probably the meatballs. I mean, everything's so good, and I love meatballs, so I think I was going to go with that. It's, I mean, But I've never had a bad meal from them yet, and I don't, I don't think I will. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. I think I don't know. It's I had 
uh, Spinner's Linguini the first week that we got it, and it was so good. It had so many different things in it, and I think that might still be my top because... Set the bar high. Yeah, it was so so good. I was like, this is the best food I've eaten in like a month at the time, and I think it's still the best food I've eaten since then, so I think I'm going to go with the Linguini. Love it. Uh, some of the meals available in July, spinach and basil pesto uh, gnocchi with summer squash, green beans, and fresh mozzarella, sp- uh, spiced pork tacos with avocado, pickled onion, and uh, Elatoy-style corn. Sounds amazing. Uh, and the summer vegetable pizza with garlic, lemon, uh, broccolini. You can get check it all out. Um, and, of course, uh, if you go to... Um, blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Um, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free on us. Uh, you love how good it feels and tastes, so create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. Again, it's blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Of course, Blue Apron is a better way to cook. We love it. We love having them aboard, um, and now we can give you those three three meals free for the first time, so uh, check it out, and of course, you're not going to want to uh, miss that for sure. Um, Guys, a lot of stuff going on for a short week of, with no baseball. Um, obviously, the biggest thing this week, I think, for me anyway, was the Drew Pomeranz trade for uh, Anderson Espinosa straight up. Um, I know I was back and forth on Twitter this week. I never really gave a, a concrete answer for a while. Um, before I do that officially and log that in a recording um, so everyone can hate on me later when I'm probably a hypocrite on myself, um, what do you guys think of this deal? Because a lot of people obviously considered Anderson Espinosa the best pitcher you had in the farm system, which he probably was, only 18 years old, um, kind of some give and take here. I love it. I mean, we knew when we signed Dombrowski that this is what he's known for, and just trading away the prospects, and especially the, the big, bigger-name prospects. And I think, I think it's a great trade. I mean, Pomeranz is an all-star. He's 27. He's just he's very very good, and we needed a pitcher. We especially at our starting rotation that's just not been consistent this season. I like it, and I know Dombrowski's hinted that they might be done with the trades, but I think there's something still up his sleeve. Yeah, I I like the deal. You know, I said a couple shows ago. I thought I thought back to this when it happened. I said if I was gonna not trade one of the three prospects of Espinosa, Benintendi, and Moncada. I said Espinosa just because we have had so few pitchers come up to the system. On the other hand, I'm always all for trading prospects pretty much almost all the time for Major League talent. And what has everyone been complaining about? What have we been talking about all year? Pitching, 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 pitching. So now once we trade a, a guy who's 18 years old who could or could not pan out for a guy who's 27, who is an all-star, whose ERA is 247, who is you know, right in the prime of his career to bolster the pitching staff right now in David Ortiz's final year, I don't know how you can complain. If you're going to complain about this, you're going to complain about everything. Yeah, you can't really complain about this. I understand the name Espinosa has been thrown around for years now. Guys, no one's seen this dude pitch for the most part, um, except for guys who scout single-A ball. Um, but I, I, I was back and forth, but I do like this deal. Um, you needed a guy who was going to come in and help this rotation. He's going to do that. Um, obviously, the biggest issue for a lot of people is like, oh, well, this is the only year he's really had success. He's bounced around, ended up in a bullpen for a season. So this guy has now had basically working on half a season of success. Um, but I find that that's okay because he's a younger lefty. He's, what, 27, if I'm wrong, right? Correct me. Yep. I don't know. But um, 27-year-old locked up through 2018 and a lefty who can throw out the ball. He's a hurler. He's a young, locked-up dude. This is what we've been asking for him to do from, from God knows when. This is why I always bring up Sonny Gray, because he's that same situation. He's a young kid who's locked up who can pitch. So is this dude, obviously not to the extent that Sonny Gray is, but Pomeranz can throw the ball, and I think he's finally coming into his own. 
Only issue is obviously if he can pitch in Boston, but that's everyone's issue when they come here until they actually prove they can do it. So how can you be mad with this deal? Yeah, I exactly agree. It's it's definitely I'm glad he said that too because I know that a lot of yeah a lot of people are oh don't trade the prospects don't trade the prospects left like you said lefty like you know the age he is like you said locked up not paying a whole lot of money and just the fact that he is now you know he's been traded four times he's he's bounced around from from team to team and now he's sitting here at 27 years old. On another team, he finally figured it out with the Padres. I know Padres is not the Red Sox. I totally get that. But the, the age that he is is like when pitchers are really, really getting into it. And I know yep. he added a curveball. He added a cutter. For a while, he just threw a fastball. I read a story on this yesterday. and it's So now he's getting all the pitches that he needs to be a good pitcher, too. And and people think that he's just going to get better. Like They don't think that he's at... You know, had his peak at this point, and he already what he he's fourth in the league in ERA. He has 115 strikeouts, unless he just totally forgets how to pitch because he moves to a a big city team like this. Then I don't see how it couldn't be good. Yeah, I look at it and go, there's really no negative side to it when I really think about it. I'm okay with getting up Espinosa. Um, you just you just got two young guys in there who are now working that farm system back up. I think you can give away Espinosa as long as it wasn't, and I'm still on this train, just don't touch Benintendi or Moncada. Um, if you're going to touch one first, touch Benintendi. Um, but he didn't touch either of them. They're still here. I really believe that Moncada could be on this team come the fall. So um, I, I just, I'm glad that he didn't touch either one of those two. Do you guys think he's done? Is there more coming, or do you want more to come from this? Because I look at this and go, if you can get some more pitching for the bullpen, I'm all for it, um, but I don't need you to make any more moves because this is what we asked for. I'm all for it. I mean, if I, I love trades. I, I, like Jeff, I'm all for trading prospects, too, and especially if it betters the team. I, knowing Dombrowski, I don't think he's done, and I think that, I do think there's something else, but I'm all I'm all for it if there's more. Keep, keep it coming. I'm I'm fine if they're done. Um, I'd prefer he stick. I mean, yeah, I know I said fine trading the prospects. If he can stay away from trading those two big ones, then I'm very happy with that. If he can get rid of one of the maybe the less less heralded prospects and get maybe one more bullpen piece, I love the Ziegler thing. I think that's going to work out great. Um, but it wouldn't hurt to have one more if he can't get anything good. No point in doing it, but in terms of the starters, if, I mean, if Price turns it around, which obviously we expect he will because he has a track record of that, Porcello continues to pitch well, which we have no reason to believe he won't. If Stephen Wright continues it, well, he continued it on Friday, and now we have Drew Pomerantz, yep. and if Erod can pitch like he did, I I think you can go with what you have. Yeah, I think I think you're okay as long as Joe Kelly and Clay Buckles don't stay in this bullpen and in the rotation. <laughs> yeah. That's literally that's it because literally, guys, we've been talking about it all summer so far. Those are the two that have been the problem. Um, obviously, Rodriguez was injury, so we gave him some slack. Um, Porcello was fine. Price was just need to get back to being David Price. But those two are always the well. They're the stoppers. They're the guy who can't really like help stop anything. They're the ones that are going to stop winning streaks. All this stuff. Neither of those two seem to be in the plan. Joe Kelly's going to be in the bullpen when they come back, when he comes back. Um, he's pitching in the bullpen of Pawtucket, so that shows you something. Um, Clay Buckholz is nowhere to be found and probably gone after the season. So it seems like they're finally figuring it out. These five are your options, and now it's nice to have four. Um, I love Stephen Wright, and I'm all for him pitching well, but it's nice to know that you can rely on four guys who aren't knuckleball pitchers to take into the playoffs. Yeah, I like I like that it's a little more sure. The fifth spot's still a concern. You know, if Erod goes back to tipping pitches, back to, you know, you never know what he's going to do. And then at least you have a couple options. Give 
you know, I don't really want to see Joe Kelly, but if you only have to worry about one guy in the one spot instead of two guys in two spots, I mean, I'm obviously all for giving Buckholz another chance. I'm sure most people aren't, but the, the fact that unless Pomerantz is terrible, that we have four guys who are, like, good, like, solid, don't have to worry about the spot, that just makes it, you know, twice as good. Twice as good. Yeah, it makes it much easier, and, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing another start from Buckholz if he can figure it out. I think I'd prefer him over Joe Kelly, but, yep, definitely. you know, <laughs> I know Jared's not all for that. Jess, I know you're, you're behind me on that one, but, Ugh. oh, yourself, but yeah, <laughs> it's just, I, I like that the pitching rotation is starting to come together, and we'll see more from Pomeranz. We'll, we'll see our first thing from, our first start from Pomeranz on Wednesday, and kind of get a feel for him, and hopefully he pitches well here, and I, I have no reason to believe he won't. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see how he starts off. Obviously, playing the Giants uh, on Wednesday, that's going to be his first start. Just keep an eye on him, people. Like he's he's a good pitcher. I think he's finally coming in his own. Like I said, so I think it's going to be intriguing to see where they go. Um, Dombrowski's done a good job so far, and I think from here on out, it's going to be where he can go. If not, then I'm okay with where this team's at. Because look, beginning of the year, guys, we came in and said as long as this team has a, has a successful year, I don't think any of us said if they battle all the entire season, September games matter, and they miss, barely miss the playoffs, none of us are going to be mad at that because they were in the basement all year. Um, so as much as we want them to win the World Series, like Lauren does, and, and all this stuff, um, I'd be content as long as all these games through September matter. Yeah, it's, I mean, 51-38 and 38 right now, we're in a really good place on a six-game winning streak, and, you know, I mean, yes, if we tank the next two months, it probably won't, you won't probably look back and say it's a successful season, but through over half the season, it's been extremely successful. We don't really have any reason to believe with this offense that we're not going to continue to win games. So I think no matter what, it's going to be a successful season, kind of no matter what happens. So it's nice because we're not in last place and we're not going to be. Yeah, and it's nice to have baseball that matters after May, regardless of what happens the next two months. I'm just glad that we're in a position now where it's not we're not 38 and 60 whatever and we're like oh we have we have two more months of baseball that's just going to be torture for us because the games don't matter so it's definitely nice to see how this team's playing and still have baseball that matters at the end of July yeah and I it's just crazy to me and I, I did this I went through it and looked at it and obviously we know the schedule uh in September is not easy um end of August September is a tough schedule a lot of road games um I brought this up earlier with a, with a friend of mine. Do you guys think that this is, is it's set up for a collapse? And I, I'm, this is me being my typical pessimistic self that we all love to learn and love to know. But um, it's kind of set up that way. Obviously, pitching is getting better. Offense is there. They could go in September with a lead in this division and then hit the road and, and slide off. I mean, they could, but they're not going to because they're going to win the World Series. <laughs> oh, Lauren. You forget that they're going to win the World Series. But, no, in all honesty, no, I I mean, it could be set up that way. I don't think it's going to happen. I just think that the team's too good right now. The team is just, their chemistry is right, right there. We're making the right moves where we have the right offense. The pitching's getting worked on, and I, I, don't, I don't see a collapse. I, I really don't. No, I don't see a collapse either. I think this offense, with how it is, there's no way they're going in a long enough slump to make it turn into a collapse. If, and if you look in detail at these games in August and September, which I am right now, I'm looking at the schedule, um, 
four games on the road against the Rays in in August, August 22nd to 25th. So take advantage of that because they're one of the worst teams in the league. And then the road games in September, it starts the month with the Athletics. They're terrible. Then you have the Padres. They're terrible. Then a little later on in the month, you play uh, three more against the Rays on September 23rd to 25th. And then right after that, three games on the road against the Yankees, who, as we know, aren't playing very well. So 70% of the road series is against teams you should beat. So I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah, I'm not either, but it just I was poised to see, it's like it's like if it happens, I won't be shocked just because of the way this it, like it's panning out for that. Um but obviously time will tell on that one. Um one guy that is clearly preventing this from happening is Sandy Leon because I don't know what's going on with him guys. Um but since he's come up, he hasn't let this job go. Um he's been tearing it up. Jesse said he's hitting way over 400 still obviously smaller sample size than the entire season, but um still hitting really well coming up big in these games. Obviously a big game on Saturday with the 4 RBI day. What I won't say what can this guy not do, but what? How long is this guy going to be really this hot? Like, is this him and Hannigan for the rest of the season? Like, where did this come from? That's it's awesome. I mean, it's it's so weird. It's so unexpected. Well, first because he was the fourth catcher coming into the season, you wouldn't expect him to play a game first of all, and then two, just looking at his his career before this, like he is the one eighty three hitter in the major leagues before this season, and as I was reading this season. At Pawtucket before he came up, he was only hitting two thirty eight. He wasn't even hitting there. So it's literally out of nowhere. You know, he's his career average even with the four fifty eight right now is two forty six because of all of his a hundred and two hundred years yeah. uh, and the couple yeah. the couple games he played before. So it's it it makes no it literally makes no sense. He's already got like career highs in almost everything in twenty games. But it's fifty nine at bats. He's twenty seven for fifty nine. He's got eleven runs, nine doubles, two homers, thirteen RBI only 12 strikeouts. I mean, he he looks confident. His swing's beautiful. His home runs have been really nice. I I mean, I'm willing to, I'm I don't think he's this good cuz nobody's this good. Nobody hits 458, but no. he's clearly figured out something and it is apparent that he's worked on his on his hitting skills and he just looks a lot more confident and you know making some more solid contact line drives than he was before so i think it's a combination of a little bit of luck and then also working on it to to really to really turn into a good player i don't think this is all just kind of a joke i think he could be good you know he's he's 27 years old like he's right in the prime start of prime of your career so i think that he could be good here or somebody up somewhere else down the line he's obviously helping his case with this yeah yeah <laughs> uh jeff i'm just gonna basically mirror what you said it's just been it's just been so nice to see him just hit the ball and just play so well and it just kind of came out of nowhere definitely somebody so unexpected to go on a streak kind of a hot streak like this but i'm glad it's him i, I love the story like I said he's only 27 so he's, he's right there he's gonna really make a case for himself yeah, Lauren, it, I wouldn't hate to see this guy, obviously, maybe even be your long-term backup catcher, um, because obviously Hannigan's on, I'm saying on the older side, but Leon, I think, would be a better option as a backup catcher. I still think Vasquez is your long-term option, um, but I think that's What's going on with obviously. him, Jared? You were so high on him. I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. It's because he can't hit. Like, I, he really can't hit. Um, so... That, I think that's what he's down there working on. Again, I, long-term, I don't think there's going to be any issues there. I think that's going to get figured out. But right now, you can't do anything with Sandy Leone. Um, and if you send Hannigan, Hannigan can go down, but he has to go through waivers, and that means you're going to lose him. So I think you're kind of tied for opportunities here. Your hands are tied, and I think you have to leave 
Vasquez in AAA for now. Um, catching regressed look, too, though, throughout the last couple of months. It wasn't just his hitting, it was everything. No, it wasn't, and I'm intrigued to see if they can figure something out. I honestly have no idea what it is. Um, I'm still a big proponent of him, obviously, because I think bigger sample size. I think he's still proving that he is going to be a great catcher in this league, and um, he's just got to work out the kinks and see what's going on, and, and now's honestly a good time to do that because Sandy Leone is doing so well. You don't need to rely on Vasquez, um, and I don't want to give Vasquez an out, but you kind of have an opportunity here to kind of fix some stuff and get it going, um, and then you maybe see him back up here in the fall when you need him even more. So, I again, as a huge proponent of him, I don't know what's going on, but I, I do say that I will cherish him. I think he's your long-term option, so I kind of just see where that goes from there. Um, well, I, but I, Sandy Leone's not going anywhere, I don't think. I appreciate you admitting that you don't know what's going on. That's that's nice to hear. Does anybody though? Like, I know it's weird. Everyone was so high on him, and he just now he's he's in AAA. Like, what happened? <laughs> do you so, think he so weird. Do you think he could have maybe not? He's not a hundred percent, or maybe. He came back too soon from the Tommy John surgery. Like maybe just he rushed the recovery or rushed rushed something. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I mean, intrigued to see if maybe some eventually we find out that he was still a little hurt. But um, I don't know. His arm didn't seem to be an issue. It was more of just the catching decisions, and uh, maybe they he was trying to do something that. The, I mean, this is me being a conspiracy. Uh, but I mean, he was also calling stuff that the pitching coach didn't want in Carl Willis. So maybe there's some attitude there that we don't know, um, which. I mean, who knows? But that could also be a situation where they have to get him back on the program. Obviously, some things haven't been great, but who knows what they're doing? Maybe it's punishment. I don't know. There's a lot of options here and a lot of opportunities for an excuse to have why he's going down. Um, and right now, I think Sandy Leon's the biggest one. It's just you can't bring him, put him back down when he's doing what he's doing. You definitely can't. You can't. You, no matter who you are, Ted Williams or Sandy Leon, you can't drop a guy who's hitting 458. That's, that's criminal. He's helping us win no, so many be- games. He's been one of the best <laughs> hitters, you know? Well, he single-handedly won yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And he's done that a couple times. He's had huge games, three, four-hit games a couple times. It's awesome. Yep. Um, and with, well, I know we kind of I brought it up quickly if how this, they could possibly collapse at this team moving forward. Um, we do have the nine-game homestand coming off here. It's four against the Yankees, and then you have um, four games against the Twins as well. Um, does this team... This, these games are must-wins because we talked about the schedule being so difficult, um, them going on the road. Um, these games coming up, guys, are huge must-win games, in my opinion. Yeah, this this whole week's pretty big for them. I mean, they're home, they're playing the Giants, who are obviously a very good team. And then, you know, they have teams coming in that aren't good. They're all must-win games. And, you know, I think every every week from here on out, it's going to be really big for, for them. Kind of like how we talked about last year when they were – in a completely different position, like every week's a big week, but the same with this season. Every week's a big week just for a different reason. Yeah, it's yeah. You obviously got to take advantage of the home the home games. I don't say that you have to win every single game because that's unrealistic. Even though you have won six in a row, so maybe it is realistic. But <laughs> it, it, in reality, it's not realistic. You know, it might be hard to beat the Giants both games. It could happen. Um, but then four against the Twins, and then three against the Tigers. The Tigers aren't playing well either. And then after that, you go on the road and you play the Angels. And as we know, they're one of the worst teams in the league too. So with with all the road games coming up, even if they aren't the hardest teams, like I mentioned earlier, it's still you want to win series. You want to win two out of three. You want to win three out of four. And they're already in such a good position, 51 and 38. But obviously, when you're in the race, you need to keep winning. And we're still behind the Orioles, still behind the Rangers. You know, it's right right on the uh, the cusp of the Indians, a game and a half behind them. So it's really, you know, you want to keep winning. You don't want to win every game, but you definitely want to win the majority of the home games 
take some road games. It's it's a big stretch. I sweeping the Twins would be huge if we can somehow beat the Yankees tonight, beat the Giants in those two games, and then sweep the Twins. Then that would be a thirteen game winning streak. That's insane, but it could happen with the Twins being who they are. If Pomerantz can pitch well against the Giants, Porcello, I don't know what could happen. But either way, even if you win eleven of those thirteen or ten of those thirteen, that would be huge. It'd be yeah. very huge. Yeah, you have that opportunity to really kind of put some damage in, especially with um, you only being a couple games back of the Orioles, and uh, you really want them, obviously. You're going to be with them all season, I think. It's going to be a battle to the end. I'm guaranteeing now that last weekend of the season is going to matter, um, whether it be Blue Jays and Orioles or Austin the Orioles, I don't know. But that weekend, last three. weekend, the AL. <laughs> what? We're all three. Or all three, yeah, that's kind of the way it's been shaping up. Um, That last weekend in the AL East is going to matter, whoever wins this division, um, because it's just been that close all year. Obviously, the Yankees and the Rays suck, and they're not going to be involved. But um, these three teams are good um, enough to win this division, so it's intriguing to see where this goes from here. Um, All the Red Sox news that we've had so far, um, and all the the Red Sox talk that we have, of course, is brought to you by uh, SeatGeek. Love SeatGeek, of course, you can, um, don't forget to put the RSB code, RSB, uh, yeah, RSB code in there, excuse me, um, to get your, um, the, the refund on there as well, the rebate to get money off on that order of yours to get better tickets. Um, I know we wanted to do some MLB, we're going to predict as well, but, um, the Red Sox beat written team, led by our own Jess Thomas, um, did a really good job with the midseason piece. Um, so I, what I want to do is hand over the power of the show right now to him um, so we can kind of walk through this and kind of discuss what was kind of talked about on this piece because it was really good and it should get some highlights, of course. Yeah, I would go through uh, each each different thing and obviously we can get Jared's take on these two because he's not doing written Duh, coverage right of now. Course. Um, of course. So, yeah, we just did some different categories. If you haven't checked it out, definitely make sure you check it out. Um, the first one we did was uh, the biggest surprise of the first half of the season. And we definitely got some different takes. Uh, I can run you through each one. Um, I said the biggest surprise was Stephen Wright. I thought about David Price and Craig, Craig Kimbrell not pitching well as the biggest surprise, but nobody expected Stephen Wright to do anything. So I think, to me, he's the biggest surprise. Uh, Mike Zedapani said Rick Porcello is the biggest surprise, considering he's 11-2 and with a 366 ERA, 8-0 at Fenway, and as Mike pointed out, at this point last year, he was 5-9 and nine with a 590 ERA. So I'm totally on board for that, too. He's been a huge, huge help for this team. Uh, Lars Yesterby said Stephen Wright as well. Uh, Nate Yeo said Stephen Wright also. Nick Qualia said um, Jackie Bradley Jr. because of how his 29-game hitting streak and hitting almost 300 at this point after you know hitting basically 200 and below the rest of his career. So that's a good pick, too. Uh, Nick Tasso picked Stephen Wright as well. Your own Lauren Campbell picked Rick Porcello also, along with Mike Setapani. And Adam Ballou also picked Rick Porcello. So we got some for Wright, some Porcello, and one Jackie Bradley Jr. Jarrett, what say you? Uh, biggest surprise, I think, so far um, for me, I think it's going to be JBJ. Uh. Because th- this guy should not, I mean, was not hitting like this. And we, we were writing him off, and a lot of, well, I don't know, you guys might not have been, but I know a lot of people were writing him off, myself included. Trade this guy, get what you can for him, move on, and we'll go from there. This guy comes in, has a huge hitting streak, hitting way above, and now he looks like, and now he's an all-star. If that's not a true definition of biggest surprise, for a guy from going from getting off this team to an all-star in like half a season, that's ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I picked him to 
win the batting title. I'm 335 average for my bullet prediction, so I'm feeling pretty smart there. So I definitely didn't write him off, but it was easy to do because he obviously was not a good hitter ever. Lauren, do you want to discuss your Porcello pick a little? Yeah, I mean, kind of basically what Mike Setapani said, kind of had some of the, a lot of the same reasoning. Just use 11 and two at the break and you know, 366 ERA. Like, I think one of my, my first line of that of that prediction that piece was if I told you Rick Porcello would be like the wins the leading wins on the team would you like would you wouldn't believe me or something along those lines and that's exactly what you said yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was something like that and he's just been you know for the most part consistent and he had nine wins last year he has eleven wins now with still half of the season to go so. He could, I mean, we talked about this last week, he could be a 20-game winner. And if Porcello, if Porcello is a 20-game winner, that's just going to, like, absolutely blow my mind. Yeah, and it could happen. And that nobody, yeah, nobody would have predicted that either because he's a, you know, two or three starter. You'd expect, like, 12 to 16 wins, no, 20, no way. So, so that's your surprise section. I mean, obviously, right. It's just, he was an all-star. He leads the ERA, he leads the league in ERA, so... No question about that, that he's a huge surprise. Now we move to the biggest disappointment section. This is an interesting one. Um, got a lot of, a couple different takes on this. I said that at the tie between Clay Buckholz and the back end of the bullpen, I moved more towards the back end of the bullpen because a lot of people didn't expect Buckholz to be good. I did. But the, yeah, the back end of the bullpen, just starting out with Tazawa, Uihara, Smith, and Kimbrell, and then having to get Brad Ziegler, <laughs> before the trade deadline obviously shows you that that whole thing didn't work out too well. So that was a huge disappointment to me because I was super excited about the bullpen and it just did not pan out. So that was my thoughts. Uh, Mike said the four and five starters are his biggest disappointment because obviously they, they couldn't have, really couldn't have been much worse in the first half of the season. So I think a lot of people could agree with that. Uh, Lars said Carson Smith just because of getting hurt after he was supposed to be such a huge part of the bullpen. Kind of goes along with what I said about just the whole bullpen not working out as a whole. Uh, Nate said pitching staff other than right with Price struggling and and uh, the, obviously the, the back end of the bullpen. Um, obviously Porcello has been good, but Wright has been Wright was the All Star, so that's what Nate said. Uh, Nick Qualia said. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. This is obviously before his start yesterday, <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, yesterday. But um, obviously, 8.59 ERA before he went to AAA is terrible. So obviously, that's a disappointment for most. Uh, Rusne Castillo is what Nick Tasso said because of how much money the team gave him. Everyone's forgot about him at this point, but uh, he gave Alan Craig an honorable mention, which is fair because Craig's fallen off the face of the earth. Um, Lauren, you said uh, Pablo Sandoval because of how much positivity there was around him. You can talk about that in a minute. And Adam said Christian Vasquez, as we just kind of covered. <laughs> the expectations were super high for Vasquez, and he's in AAA right now. So those are our picks. Jared, who's your biggest disappointment? Uh, biggest disappointment for me right now has been Craig Kimbrell. Uh-huh. Um, because, one, obviously he can't control injuries, but I think that you can't have a closer who can't pitch in with a, without a lead or like a tie game. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I understand that we we all have on Farrell for not putting for putting him in those situations, but you want to be a big game closer and you claim yourself to be a big game closer. Um, you need to be able to handle those situations, and he has yet to do that this year. Um, only thing he's been able to pitch well in is when he has a lead going for a save. Other than that, he's been. Not too stellar. Um, obviously, he has time for rebound once he comes back from injury, so maybe it was something to do with that. But right now, I think he's my biggest disappointment. 
Yeah, yeah okay. definitely. Pretty good, pretty good pick, especially. I think his injury is pretty disappointing too. When you're out there shagging fly balls and you tear a ligament in your knee, it's like, come on. Yep. Yeah, Lauren, you, you said Sandoval. You're the only one who said Sandoval. I'm sure most people forgot about him, but no doubt. <laughs> yeah, people um, probably definitely forgot about Sandoval. So um, I picked him because, you know, just like you said, there was so much positivity around him. They said he lost 20 pounds. Uh, he was in the best shape of his life. He's on this really good diet, and he comes in and he just looks. You know, heavier than ever, and then before there was even competition between him and Travis Shaw, it just kind of like, I was like, okay, I'm like, I can deal with him for another year, see how he does, give him the first year, he, he made some good plays at the end of last season, and to see him come into spring training not looking good at all, and just horrible, horrible play, just horrible attitude about everything, and then learning about everything on the side it's just kind of like this is not the guy we signed for all this money and then Travis Shaw comes in and just kind of like no I'm gonna play third base and as soon as that was announced I'm just like oh that's such a disappointment and then he's on the he went on the DL with a shoulder injury and then he was done for the season with shoulder surgery so it's just like what is going on with this guy like why can't he figure it out and he's supposed to be this multi-million dollar third baseman, and he can't even stay healthy for a season. Yep, it's it's definitely disappointing, and obviously we've talked about it on numerous shows, but definitely it was a huge hit to the team just to start the season. Like, okay, here's a guy you paid a ton of money for for several years, and boom, he's gone. So, I like the pick. Um, we'll brief over MVP here, just give you what everyone said, and then move on to the next. Um, MVP was actually a little bit uh, scattered, four of us said Ortiz, two said Bogarts, and two said Wright. Um, me and Lauren both, both said Ortiz. I mean, you could obviously make a case for all of them. I say you can't not give it to Ortiz because he's the rock in the middle of the lineup. He's having one of the best seasons of his career in his send-off, and without his leadership, you wouldn't have a whole lot. Jared, what do you say for MVP? Oh, it's Ortiz, yeah. no question. I didn't say Ortiz. You didn't? No, I said I said Wright. You said MVP. Wright. I did. Oh. Jared thought I was going to say Mookie Betts. I'm pretty sure that was his conversation with us last week. So, no, Jared, yeah. you're wrong again for like the third time yeah. the show, which has been nice. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, obviously, for pitching, no doubt, Stephen Wright, but I just feel that Ortiz, you got to give it to him with what he's done this season. Sorry for missing that, Lauren. For some reason, I thought you said Ortiz, but. It's terrible. You said Wright. Um, I don't have to keep track of here. <laughs> um, this one I definitely want to talk about. Biggest turnaround, because i got a lot of different ones for these, and I'm definitely interested to hear what Jared says, too. Um, it's funny. Me and Mike didn't talk about this, and we wrote literally almost the exact same thing, which is hilarious. Um, we both picked Koji for the same reason that he was completely struggling. Eight home runs given up, 481 ERA. Now the pressure's on him again. Kimbrell's out. Koji's the closer. And we both think that he was going to get better and be sharper. The last two games have really bolstered our argument because obviously this is before that. But it's really funny that we said the same thing. So we both said Koji for biggest turnaround. Um, Lars said David Price because obviously (laughs) you want him to have a huge turnaround because that would help the team. Nate also said David Price. Um, Nick Qualley said Craig Kimbrell for obvious reasons after he comes back from the DL. He obviously needs to be a good pitcher because you don't want your closer whacking around and giving up giving up four runs when they're in a one-run game. 
Uh, so that makes sense. Nick Tasso said Hanley Ramirez because he's only hit eight home runs, um, but he has been hitting a little better recently. So he said Hanley. Um, Lauren said John Farrell that he's not going to make any more bad decisions. Um, and Such hopeless, hopeless wonder. <laughs> as Lawrence said, we'll see a no-nonsense John Farrell. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, and Adam Ballou said David Price also. So we get two for Koji, three for Price, Kimbrell, Hanley, and John Farrell. It's a lot of different possibilities. Jared, who's going to have the biggest I turnaround? I can't say John Farrell. I can't say John well, Farrell. Of course you're not going sure. to. <laughs> um, can I give it to the entire rotation? Sure. Because I feel like... All of them have their flaws so far this year. Obviously, you can give it to David Price. You can give it to Eduardo Rodriguez um, coming back and doing well last start. You want to see him have this turnaround. Um, I hate to say Joe Kelly, but even if he's coming back to the bullpen, Joe Kelly, um, you want Stephen Wright to keep going. So I'm going to give it to the entire rotation. I want them to have a huge turnaround coming into the second half, lower that ERA, get more wins for this team, and really prove that they can have a sustainable kind of product to help this offense out. Well, the team sure would be uh, incredible if that was the case, if you have great pitching and great offense. That's, that is the recipe for a World Series, which we hope that will happen. Lauren? I'm not, even asking for great, I'm not even asking for great pitching. I just need something that's better than what it has been. So Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Lauren, so you're the only one who said Farrell, obviously. We know you like Ugh. him. Yeah, I, think it's, I don't think it's uh, any secret that I love John Farrell, and I always have. But um, we saw some questionable in-game decisions we've seen just some all-around team decisions that have been really questionable for him this season. And I know that Adam does not want him on this <laughs> to coach this team anymore. And I, Don't blame him. It's just not going to happen this season. That's the problem. Like, they're, what are they, 51 and 38? Was that what it was? Yep, yep. So, and you're going to sit here and tell me to fire this guy? Like, I don't think so. So don't sit here and try to tell me that he's not done a good job. He made a statement in the beginning of the season putting Travis Shaw at third base over the $90 million Pablo Sandoval. And that was an easy choice. Like, that wasn't difficult. Yeah, but it, for somebody like Farrell, who caters to his players, I think that was a huge way to like start the season, huge statement. And I think that's kind of the Farrell we're going to see in the second half of the season. It's just, he's just going to be like, see something doesn't like, he's going to go out there and he's going to fix it. Also, don't think that was John Farrell. That was Dave Dombrowski. Yeah, well, you know. Who knows? You, know, you don't want to give credit to anybody, Jared. <laughs> no, but definitely I encourage everyone to check out Nick Qualley's opinion piece. He wrote an opinion piece a couple of days ago on will they fire John Farrell at any point, and he, just to give a little sneak peek, he said no because he said even if they have a huge collapse, by that time it's going to be like August and early September, and there's no point in firing a manager at that point. So, And we're playing well right now, so there's no reason. So that's what he said. I think it was a good point, kind of what Lauren just said too. Uh, a couple more things to cover here. Uh, we did a little fun thing, David Ortiz's final number of home runs, just to see what we think he could possibly get to. Uh, definitely got a lot of different takes for this. Um, I said the second highest over uh, just just, uh, just below the woman over here who, who we're speaking with. Um, Shocker there. I said 45 home runs. <laughs> and yet wow. she said more than that. She said 46. Um, I said 47. 47. Yeah, Even worse. Wow. Yeah. So, so we're crazy. We still think he's going to hit 23 to 25 homers more. There might not be enough time for that. I want him to do that because if he does hit 45, he'll finish tied with Mike Schmidt for 548 career homers, 16th all time, and be just seven behind Manny Ramirez. Good old friend Manny. So that'd be exciting. So it might be a little out of the question, but if he keeps the production up, why not? 
Um, Mike Setapani said 39 home runs, so you just got him right behind 40. Um, Lars said he is going to hit 40 and hit 543 for his career. Uh, that'd be that'd be uh, 18 more. Uh, Nathan said that he'd hit 39, so he's hitting him right below 40. Also, um, Nick Qualia said 39. Also, <laughs> a lot of 39s here. Um, Nick Tassel, only 33. I think he's going to miss some games, take some time off. Only 11 more. And Adam Ballou said 41. And as I said, Lawrence said 47. You may be crazy. Jared, what do you say? How many? 47. Wow. Um, I'm going with 38. I think that as the season progresses a little further, um, we all know his feet are an issue. Um, he's probably going to get some extra days off. And he just... I just see it slowing down a little bit. Obviously not crazy production. I think he's still going to be productive in terms of clutch hits and just more. I'm seeing more singles and doubles that are clutch than home runs. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it'd be cool if he got 60 doubles and, like, <laughs> just took, yeah, took that's over. fine with me. Yeah, forever. <laughs> so that that would be really cool. Um, and then, yeah, the last thing we covered on this uh, midseason piece was just kind of revisiting what we said for bold predictions because some of them already we know are going to be completely wrong. Some are going to be a little more accurate. Uh, just to quickly go over it, obviously I got Clay Buckholtz and Chris Young completely wrong because I said Buckholtz won 18 games, 250 ERA. No way that's happening even if he pitches like Cy Young the rest of the season, if he even pitches. Um, Chris Young got hurt, so obviously he has no chance to get to 23 home runs. He could have done it if he kept hitting well, which he was before he got hurt. Uh, and then my Jackie Bradley Jr. prediction is obviously I feel pretty good about it because I said 335 and win a batting title. He's probably not going to do either of those, but he is hitting almost 300, and he got a starting for the American League All-Star team. So that one I thought was my most crazy. Turned out to be my most accurate, which is kind of funny. So that was entertaining for me. Um, Mike totally blew Joe Kelly. He said he was going to win 15 games. Absolutely not. Uh, he said that Hanley would play 130 games and win the gold glove that was a little better than you'd expect he's not gonna win a gold glove i don't think but he's he's played better than most people thought he would um and then he said that john Farrell will keep his job all season he's gonna get that right i don't know how bold that was but that's what he said uh lars said that hanley would be an effective first baseman and have fewer than 10 errors that's gonna happen so good job lars uh jbj would have, be a solid player and have a good year at the plate and he sure has so good job there and he said david price would win 20 games and get the cy young award Probably not going to happen. Maybe he'll win 20 games if he wins the rest of the I'll say, starts. he might get to 20 games. Maybe, yeah, but he's not winning Cy Young. No. In fact, maybe he will if he gets to 20 games. I don't think he's getting that far, but we'll see. Um, Nate Eo said that Hanley hit 25 home runs. Don't count on that. Um, Betts would steal 20 and hit 20 home runs. That probably will happen. And in fact, it's definitely going to happen, unless he just totally stops running, because he has 15 steals already and 18 homers. And he said Price would perform in the postseason. Boy, we hope so. Um, Nick Qualia didn't do this because he wasn't on the team to start the season, so we'll bypass that. Um, Nick Tasso said that Sandoval will become a nuisance in the clubhouse. Well, he's not even playing. Not even so. there. <laughs> so much for that. He's just not even there. Carson Smith, the season-ending surgery, he got that totally right, which is, I guess, pretty impressive. Um, I guess this was after he got hurt, but we didn't know it was going to be as bad as it was. And then he said Rick Porcello would end in the bullpen. Clearly, uh, that was horribly wrong, but he got the other two right, so <laughs> good for him. Rick Porcello to the bullpen. Yeah, I don't know where he came up with that one, but he said that if he didn't pitch well out of the gate, he'd be in serious trouble, but he did pitch well out of the gate, so that's cool. He uh, He's going to stay in the rotation, and we like that because he's been great. Um, Adam said that Dustin Bedroy would be traded by the trade deadline. Didn't happen, and no way. Um 
Tori Lovello will be manager by June 1st. Missed that one as well, because he's clearly not. And Travis Shaw would reveal himself to be a triple-A player at best. He thinks he'll still be right, but because obviously Shaw fell off a little bit, but he didn't fall enough fall enough to be a triple-A player, and he's hitting 270 with 10 overs and 50 RBI right now. So I'd say he's doing pretty darn well. Um, go Travis Shaw. And that just leaves us with Lauren, and uh, she said that Mookie Betts had hit 17 home runs for the All-Star break. He had 18. She nailed it. Finished the season with 30. Could very well happen, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, Blake Swihart make the All-Star team? Nope. And <laughs> David, Price, <laughs> David Price would go 10 starts without seeing a loss. He did not do that, and he was crap. But you got the bet, so you feel good about that, right? Yeah, I feel really good about that because it was just something I just kind of thought of on a whim, and I was like, yeah, why not Mookie Betts? And Mookie Betts was like, why not me? And he, he did it. He just crushed the ball. and I, I think he'll get over 30, but not by much. He'll, be like, he'll finish the season like 32, 33. Maybe I have high hopes for him, but yeah. I'm, I'm excited I got one of them, right? Because, I mean, I knew Swihart wasn't going to happen deep down when I made that prediction, but it was kind of cool that he got on the ballot anyway, and there, he did have votes. But And then David Price was definitely a little disappointing just because he had so much hype around him in the season, so or in the beginning of the season, and he didn't go. He almost made it through 10 starts. Like seven loss. or something, right? Yeah, he got yeah. past the halfway mark. I was like, oh boy, here we go. But he didn't pitch well, obviously. But yeah, I think the best prediction was nice. Uh, I mean, he started off the season slow this year, just like last year, but he picked it up so quickly and then just went in the tear. So I think that was pr- a pretty bold pick, especially for a guy who's not that big and to start the All-Star game. I don't know if he'll get to 30. I'm thinking more like 26 or 27, but anywhere from 26 to 33 is incredible for a guy his size and oh, the yeah. amount of runs he scored and the amount of... RBI he's got and his steals and everything, so gotta love Mookie Betts. So, so that is our piece. I think it went really well. I was excited about it, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I like talking about it, so good stuff. Yeah, no, it was, it was really good. That's why I wanted to kind of we wanted to break it down here, and uh, it was a good idea uh, to talk about it on air for sure. Um, and I'm glad we got to give that the piece. Plus, Lauren just really wanted to brag that she got Mookie Betts right. <laughs> so, yeah, we gave her that opportunity. Um, before we get to our predictions and get out of here, one storyline that was kind of going around MLB this week involved the Red Sox. It was David Ortiz um, at the All-Star game talking about how he'd like Encarnacion here, um, as well as Fernandez and his rotation, and joked about it. But now the league was inv- is investigating him for tampering. Um, guys, it, it is tampering. I mean... Who cares, though? He's like... Oh, I like what he said, though. He's not... He doesn't do the paychecks. Like, he doesn't determine this stuff. So why shouldn't you be able to say what you want? I think it's a stupid rule in the first place. Yeah, it's stupid as hell, and I love what Ortiz said. <laughs> you know, like, he's like, I'll say what I want. And it's like, you go, Glenn Coco. You will say what you want. <laughs> but don't get me wrong. Like, I love what he said. Um, but the fact is, by the, I hate doing this because I'm not a by-the-rule person, but, like, by-the-rule, as long as, if you say it to the media, it's tampering. And he did it straight up to the media. So, at the All-Star game. <laughs> at the All-Star game where there was nothing else going on. So, like, I don't know what's going to come of this. I don't know what will happen. Um, but I mean, it, by the by, the rule of the law, if they're going by that, it was tampering. He'll probably get. A, I mean, he had a warning letter. I don't know if they're going to take it any further. They probably don't care because he's David Ortiz. He's retiring, he's retired. and he's awesome yeah. anyway. But I, I just loved his quote. He said, "Like if if I uh, if I said I wanted to play with LeBron James, would that be tampering?" I can say whatever I want. Like who cares? You know. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know what's going on. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love both of them on this team, and I think it would be awesome. And, I mean, you'd have to give up an arm and a leg for Fernandez, and 
Um, but we'll see. Um, obviously, time will tell on that one. Um, before we get out of here, we'll do our predictions like we do every week. Uh, full game, of, actually, full week of games to predict this week. Uh, two against the Giants, four against the Twins. Um, I know... They already played the Giants once this year. Um, I'm taking them a split with the Giants again this week. Pomeranz is coming in, so you don't really know what to expect from him in his first start in a Red Sox uniform. But um, I, I'm, it's really a cop-out answer, and I'm, I'm giving the cop-out answer. They're going to split with the Giants. Yeah, two-game series are annoying because I feel like most of the time they're they're split, and uh, that's what happened last time. So I'm saying split also. against the, I mean, if they were a poor team, I'd say win both of them. But just with how good the Giants are, the best team in the league, they're – that even year. Yep, they're looking to go in another even year uh, championship, like I said they would. So they're a good team. I think splitting's fine. I take that. Yeah, I hate two game series too. They're just they're annoying and they're stupid. <laughs> like the best, they usually end up in a split. But um, I'm feeling pretty good this week. I'm gonna say they're taking both from the Giants. Um, eight and in I know a row. Pom- yes. I know. I'm so <laughs> like, <laughs> and I know Pomeranz. Um, Starting Wednesday, we don't really know what to expect from him, and I know he's going up against Madison Bumgarner, so it's going to be a tough matchup for sure. But I think he's, I think he's going to be fine, and I'm going to be there Wednesday, so I'm going to bring them a little bit of luck. So they're not, I'm not going to go. Well, you're going to go find Johnny Cueto. That's what you're going to do. I'm a little sad that Johnny Cueto isn't pitching. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> on the Red Sox site, it says that it's to be announced on Wednesday for the Giants. Do we know for sure it's going to be Bumgarner? Um, I saw on Twitter that it was probable for Bumgarner to pitch. Huh. Uh, if we get Bumgarner again, come on. Man. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Bumgarner. I'm not going to complain about seeing Madison Bumgarner pitch. One of the best pitchers yeah, in the league, yeah. I think. Yeah, but it's tough for the team, though. You know, both times they play him, they get yeah. Bumgarner. In two-game I mean, series, that's... too, yeah. Yeah, but not even like they're four-game series at all. So. I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, maybe it'll be Cueto come tomorrow or later tonight. I, that'd be nice. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm taking they're going to take two from – from Justice World Series champs. Wouldn't hate it. That is for sure. Um, other games, obviously, four against the Twins as well. Um, Jess, how do you have them faring against the lovely, lovely Minnesota Twins? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, the Twins are terrible. They've played better recently. They're 32 and 57, 33 and 57. I'm saying three out of four. I mean, sweep's tough against any team, but they are home. I feel good about it. I wouldn't be surprised with a sweep. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Twins come in and take two, just because the Sox have been playing so well, especially if they won eight in a row at that point, if they beat the Giants in both. So I'm going three out of four. I think it's safe, four and two week. Love it. Uh, Lauren? Yeah, I'm mirroring Jess, taking three out of four. Um, as much as I want to say they're going to sweep the Twins, I hate four-game series just as much as I hate two-game series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't like these even-number series, but you know the Twins, they're a terrible team, but I feel like sometimes we just can't get it together against the most terrible teams out there. So I think, Jared, your pessimist in you is kind of taking effect on me where I said, like, yeah, something bad's going to happen <laughs> when those four games. Yeah, well, your optimism is coming off on me because I have them sweeping the Twins uh, in, in the four-game series. Look, last time I said they, were gonna sweep, they weren't going to sweep someone, they did, and my gut was telling me sweep, it was that A series, and I don't even know. But I just look at the Twins and go, you know what? It'd be disappointing if they don't win all four games. The bar is set, whereas they're a good enough team, and if you want to be a playoff team, you go in and sweep the Twins. So, 5-1 week for me. I don't know where it's coming from, uh, but 5-1 week it is. Uh, hopefully that happens, because that would be amazing, um, especially with the run they're already on. So, um, I, I, that's where I'm going with that one. I know you guys are shocked. I am, but I sure would take it, because that would be, uh, what, 11 of the last 12 games won? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I... 
I definitely think we all wouldn't complain. Um, that is for sure. But there you go. Another week, uh, another show in the books. Of course, it's brought to you by SeatGeek. Uh, you can check out, um, get your $20 rebate by downloading the SeatGeek app and then entering the promo code uh, RSB to get your $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. And, of course, brought to you by our good friends friends at Blue Apron as well. Um, just go to blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Uh, you'll get three meals free, your first three meals um, with free shipping. Again, that's blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat, and it'll help you out there as well. Um, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at redsox underscore beat. Uh, Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Obviously, we ask you every week, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, and listen to us on Stitcher and iTunes as well. Um, guys are great every week. I know you guys are listening. So from now, we'll be back next week. But uh, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scally. We'll be back next week. This is Red Sox Beat here on The Honest Radio.